Here's Larson with the puck. Shot blocked in front. Off the skate of McCabe. Another block for the Blackhawks. Cleared out by Murphy. Here's Kurashev. Shot. Score! Patrick Kane. 3-0 Chicago. Hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now, welcome to season 11, episode number 24 of the Sportscasters Podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, coming to you from Buffalo, New York. It is 2 o'clock a.m. on Friday, November 19th, less than a week away from Thanksgiving. And it's a great show today. I'm really excited about it. First of all, an interview I recorded with Greg Wyshynski, uh, where we battle over Jack Eichel uh, and the trade and everything that went into the trade. And it was a great uh, interview uh, with him. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit here tonight. It was a great interview with him. And he wrote a great article coming out of it that said ESPN+. Plus. That I've linked to a few times already, and I'll link to again. Uh, and it was a really fun interview. Uh, we disagreed. We had fun disagreeing. And I can't wait for you to hear it and tell me what an idiot I am after the fact. Or, hey, maybe you even agree with me, and you can tell Greg he's an idiot. But don't do that, because he's nice and doing us a favor. So let's be nice to Greg. Uh, also on the show today, an uh, interview I did with Andrew Marchant from the New York Post. Uh, he's been one of my favorite new guests in the last year or two, and as I've had a little bit more difficulty booking some of the more classic sports media guests on this show for whatever reason, um, he's been available and I think has fun being on it, and I love having him on it, and we talk about sports media on the podcast. Also, uh, I recorded an episode of the 24-inch podcast earlier tonight. And apparently I have no voice left. Uh, So I'm going to get to the interviews a little bit quicker maybe than I anticipated. Um, But I did want to rant a little bit about UEFA, uh, the governing governing body of soccer in Europe and FIFA and whoever comes up with the rules and regulations uh, to qualifying for the World Cup. Now, this might sound like sour grapes. I get that. Uh, Because Italy has been... Uh, gravely affected by this and everyone here knows how I feel about Italy and I talk about some of this with Marshawn as well Uh, but first of all strike one why do you not earn qualification for the World Cup by winning the continent's tournament by becoming the champions of Europe that should be enough to qualify Uh, but no all the countries in Europe are split up into 10 groups. Who know how they're split up? Probably some kind of random draw. The groups are imbalanced. The amount of games played in the groups are imbalanced. Italy ends up in the group with Switzerland, who beat France in the Euros, right? Uh, And is a much better team than anyone 
just about in the entire continent had to worry about in their group. And Italy led this group from the first day until the last day. It was only on the last day that Switzerland did pass them uh, by winning in Bulgaria or at home against Bulgaria and Italy tying in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland, even with a win in Italy, one or two nothing, Italy would not have had enough. They would have needed to win that game at least three nothing on the road to advance, which is ridiculous. Italy went undefeated, 10 games. So winning the Euro, not enough to qualify. Going undefeated in 10 games, not enough to qualify. Uh, the only way to qualify is winning the group. Switzerland had a strategy. Let's tie the two Italy games and then just outplay them by one goal four in all the other eight. And they managed to do it. And they would not have managed to do it, and this is where I'll blame Italy, if Jorginho could have made one of the two penalties in the two Switzerland games. Jorginho, apparently known for penalties, one of the best in the world at it, scored a beautiful penalty in the semifinals of the Euros against Spain to clinch that game. Then the next game against England, he misses. Okay, he misses it a chance to win the win the Euro. The tournament's on his foot. He misses. Donnarumma bails him out, so we don't even think about that miss, right? Because Donnarumma bails him out. Then in qualifying, they get the first Switzerland game. It's in Italy. It's a tough game. It's zero zero, and Jorginho has a chance to win the game with the penalty late in the second half, and he he can't convert it. He misses. Okay, so then you hear he changes his whole style, and I'm watching him score penalty after penalty after penalty for Chelsea in the Premier League. Score, 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 score. Now we play Switzerland, the biggest game of the year since the Euros. We have all kinds of injuries. Verratti, maybe our best uh, player who plays for PSG, is out. Immobile, our best striker, is out. Um, Chiellini, our captain, is out. That's another thing. These guys are so overplayed right now overplayed too many games too many injuries i know they're trying to make up for lost time with covid but the scheduling is ridiculous they're running these guys into the ground uh, there almost isn't a player in the world without a soft tissue injury right now okay so we play the biggest game of the year and it's one to one we got scored on early then we tied it in late in the first half uh we're winning the second half Switzerland's desperately trying to end the game in a tie. They commit a penalty in the box in the 88th minute. Isn't called. Goes to VAR. We're awarded the penalty. Despite missing two in a row for the Azuri, Mancini goes with Jorginho again, and he sells it over the net. So Jorginho has lost, missed three penalties in a row for Italy. I would have loved to have seen Bonucci take that penalty and I first guessed it. Uh, as soon as the penalty was called, I said I'd put Bonucci on the spot. He made both of his penalties in Spain and England games. And he's the captain. And I don't think the moment's too big for him. And I think he buries it. So now Italy has to go to the playoff. So what they do now is there's 10 groups. Second place in each of the 10 groups. And two other teams who somehow qualified through the Nations League competition. Which Italy finished third in are in the playoff. That includes Italy and Portugal, who's suffering from this, and Sweden and the Czech Republic and Russia. 
Um, six of the teams are seeded. Italy is one of those teams. Uh, and Portugal is one of those teams. So they don't have to worry about playing each other in the first game. But essentially, six seeded teams will play six unseeded teams. They're going to draw that on the 26th. And in March, you'll get a home game against that team. If you win that, you play one of the other winners in a winner-takes-all game for the World Cup. If they lose either of those games, Italy's missing back-to-back World Cups. Somehow, Italy, five in the world, is in danger of missing the World Cup because of this convoluted nonsense. They lost none of the qualifying games, and it wasn't enough. It's ridiculous. Teams like England and Germany with the easiest groups you could imagine. Look them up. You don't believe me? Look at the groups and see if anyone in Europe had a team as difficult as Switzerland in their group. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. All right, this is what we're going to do today. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with Greg Wyshynski. I'll update the book club. There's a lot there. Uh, Then we'll do the Marshawn interview and then some plugs and one last thing. And we'll do as much as we can there if my voice holds up. I apologize for the quality, uh, but I got a little bit of a cold and I already did a show. So I'm about running on E. But that's it for the start. Let's take a break. We'll be right back uh, with Greg Wyshynski. Forza Italia. Our first guest today is from New Jersey and a graduate of the University of Maryland. He was on the second ever episode of the Sports Pastors back in 2011 when he was with Yahoo. Today, he's with ESPN, where he still covers the NHL, and he's nice enough to give us some time today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to our good friend, Greg Wyshynski, the artist formerly known as the Puck Daddy. How's it going, buddy? Well, you know, I'm still known as the Puck Daddy when I do Daily Wager. It's kind of my, like, alter ego, my, like, superhero alter ego when I go and make uh, picks that uh, turn out to be pretty good most of the time. I mean, there's a few a few times when I'm just super bummed because I think something's going to happen and it doesn't. But uh, but yeah, they still refer to me there as Fuck Daddy for sure. Because that's a Yahoo thing, right? So you get away with using the their IP there. Is it like a Vince McMahon using the Rock kind of a thing? Like, are you or are you just kind of using it and hoping they don't notice? You know, like you're on an indie promotion. <laughs> As uh, Gangrel, and you're hoping that the Vince forgot about Gangrel. Do you, do you really think? I mean, Yahoo doesn't really even <laughs> use the name anymore. I mean, I don't even know. I, I honestly don't even know what they do for hockey coverage anymore. I have I, no I idea. Apologize to people that are still there, but yeah. like, you know, that, like when I left, it was the whole thing of you know. I, I always figured that uh, it would be like Doctor Who, where you know yeah. someone else just becomes puck daddy and it didn't work out that way they they didn't even really use the name which is funny because like when i left for espn part of their sort of counter offer to me to keep me from going was this idea that they were going to like blow out the vertical and make a whole puck daddy thing and make it a brand and yada 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 and then like when i left i guess they're just like all right if wachinski ain't here then we don't got a puck daddy so <laughs> right. to move on i guess so i don't know i'll, I'll keep using the name until you know, they give me a, a cease and desist, uh, which in, in that case, I would then do what I've always said I would do, which is just become stick father and just change the moniker. <laughs> what The Rock used to always do is he would have 
the studio agree to let Vince McMahon be a, an executive producer on the film, and then Vince McMahon <clears> will <throat> let him use the name. So maybe there's a trick there too. Um, you can, That's right. Yeah, start doing films. Um, Mike White Fever, you got it right. <laughs> I did until <laughs> until he went out. It I was mean, very like, that was like Again, we've we've talked about this before. Our our, our uh, respective fandoms here. Yeah. But as a Jets fan, like it's it's kind of I, people are always asking me like what it's like to be a Jets fan, and I try to I try to tell them that it is different than being a fan of any other um, unsuccessful team because of the new and exciting ways they find to lose. And so the whole Mike White situation is a great example, right? So they win a game. This guy throws four hundred yards. Uh, in a game that he's only starting because Zach Wilson, the quarterback of the future, is hurt. And then he has demonstrably more success playing the system than Zach Wilson has ever had in his rookie season. So right. it's like you have success, but then you also fail because it could be a situation where you've wasted, you know, a, a, like second overall pick on, on somebody who's not going to work out. And then, of course, the next week, you know, White orchestrates an incredible touchdown drive, injures his hand. And they probably win that game if he plays. Like they, 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 the Colts did not all that impress me. And of course, like he goes out, and and then who the hell knows? And then you know you can't even have a second week of even that fleeting success of having this journeyman come in and and uh, and you know, <laughs> you know Brady, uh, Kyle Wilson's Bledsoe, for lack of a better comparison. Right. Exactly. So uh, you know it's it's just it's just yet fandom in a nutshell. All right. Well, assuming that the current future of Jets quarterback play is on the roster right now. What's his name? It's Zach Wilson. I okay. mean, like, they're, not right. gonna, they're not going to cut ties with the guy just because somebody <laughs> else had, had a little bit of success. I mean, I, 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 I worry a little bit because Robert Saylor, the coach has been a little bit on the, on the, on, on the hedge as far as like, <laughs> you know, who the quarterback of the future is. But I think he's just doing that for, just for giggles. Games. Like they, they've got way too, you can't, you can't sell on, you know, a, a, a pick that high this, this early, especially when the general manager thinks he has some sort of like quasi Mahomes in his midst in, in Zach Wilson, which remains to be seen, but that's at least kind of the, the, the thought here, right? At least the, uh, the Sam Montana talk has died down after his last three or four weeks after, you know, the first three weeks of the season, you would have thought, you know, the, yeah. Jet, the Jets let you know, Joe Montana and I, walk, and, and that's that crazy. Right, and I yeah. don't want to take take. I don't want to uh, you know find happiness in someone else's misery, but it is nice to see like threads on Reddit that are just like, "Is Sam Darnold the worst quarterback in the <laughs> NFL?" After after feeling pretty pretty bad about selling on the guy when he was lighting up the league in the first couple of days. Well, I'm sure I could find more small talk, but I've put it off long enough. Let's get to the Jack Eichel trade. Not my favorite topic, but that's a big reason I had you on. You wrote about it a few different ways. You wrote, I think you gave the Sabres a C. I don't remember what the grade was just for Vegas. I assume better than C because they won the trade. But um, And then you wrote about the winners and losers of the trade. Here's the thing. I, ne- I, I said from the very beginning, you know, you trade Jack Eichel, you lose the trade because there's no return. Equal, you're not going to get a return equal to him. It's just pretty much impossible. Um, you know, it's not like you're going to work out a deal with, I don't know, whoever you think is he's next to and talent, you know, like whatever your top 10 players is or whatever. It's not like you get on the horn and say like, all right, let's work on a one-on-one for, you know, uh, Barkoff or Eichel or something. Like it's just, it, it, it just you're losing the trade and they did. 
Um, I admire their patience, and I think that Kevin Adams did the best he could. Let's start with this. Why did you think, because it seems like you did think this, the Sabres should have retained salary there? I mean, I think, like, hell no, you're not retaining five years of that salary. It seems crazy to me. I mean, presumably those dollars will somehow matter at some point during the five years, right? I mean, the plan is not to be this irrelevant for five more years, is it? When, When would they matter? (laughs) well when you have to start paying i mean when you start have to start paying the core that you've built when you start to have putting real dollars behind casey middlestat and cousins and um darlene and power and all the other guys that you're now building around that's when it would you can't have it both but you can't have it both ways like you can't look at this trade and say this is one that the sabers can't screw up and then also look at this trade and say, but they also shouldn't maximize the return they can get for Jack Eichel. Well, but and I never said the other thing. I never said the other thing. But, but that's what many people have said. And, and you, because all, they all have PTSD from the Ryan O'Reilly My trade preamble was that they, could, that. that they couldn't win it, right? My preamble was... They just, could definitely, they could, they could have done better than this. They, they certainly could have done better than this. And the way you do better than this is to create a marketplace for Jack Eichel. And, and I, as I've written, like, there are a number of, of difficulties in trying to create that marketplace. His health is one. The surgery that he wants is another. You had, I, I had at least one team tell me straight out that they couldn't even get into the bidding for Eichel because their medical staff wouldn't allow them to have the disc replacement surgery. So, like, they're out. And, right, and I'm, not, I'm sure the they're Sabre not the side. only team. Right, which is a plus on the Sabre side, right? I mean... You can't criticize. Right, but so I'm right. saying, I'm saying, I'm saying there are some things that are in place that they can't control, but there are some things that were in place that they can control. And one of the things they can control is retaining some salary on Jack Eichel. And what that does is, if you have a team that is willing to uh, clear him medically, give him the surgery that he wants, but simply can't accept the full freight of a ten million dollar cap hit without dismantling their team, well, then all of a sudden maybe they can get into the bidding if you're willing to take. A percentage of that salary off the, off their cap, you know, for a few years. Then there's the idea of getting third teams involved, like the Arizona Coyotes, for example, who even more so than the Buffalo Sabres won't need that salary space for the next five years. So I, Kevin Adams claims, and, and I'll take him at face, that that retaining salary wouldn't have dramatically changed the marketplace. But at the end of the day, you had one team that wanted him, one team that maybe wanted him, one team that was waiting there to see if maybe one of those other teams wouldn't offer enough and they can sneak in and get them and then nobody else at the, at the end of the process. And, and I just think that the more teams involved in the process, the higher the payment's going to be. And they couldn't create them. They had the ability to create a bigger marketplace and they chose not to. And they chose not to keep in mind. If you, if you listen to Kevin Adams comments, they chose not to because they didn't believe they needed to retain salary on a player of Jack Eichel's uh, talents and abilities and, and stardom. That was the reason why. Is that I think they found the entire concept insulting that they'd have to even work that hard to create a marketplace for a guy that good. Yeah, I sort of agree with them. Um, I also think that one person that really torpedoed Jack Eichel's value was Jack Eichel. Um, I mean, I guess there's some places that will be sympathetic to him making a commitment to the city and to the team and then bailing on it within two years. You know, I guess there's some people who would be sympathetic to that, um, but not teams that are going to like want that guy to be their captain at some point, I don't think, or pay that price, pay the premium price that we're talking about. Um, I think that hurt his value. I think the fact, his insistence on the surgery, let me ask you this. Why didn't Jack Michael just go and get that surgery like six months ago? Well, I, 
I, I think you're, I think you're looking at situations in, in which you're under contract. The CBA clearly states right. that but he, the team but has. Con- I know that part of it, but like. If you're Jack Eichel, he the, the reason he didn't do it is because he didn't want to take the risk, right? He wanted the Sabres to take the risk, and then he wants to paint the Sabres as the bad guy for not taking the risk. But if there's That's no risk, insane. then Jack Eichel should have just went and did it. It's not like Dr. No, so-and-so would have stopped the, him. The, the, risk, the, the risk is that he's going to get sued for the, the entirety of the rest of his contract. But he wouldn't have like, got sued if he was a, healthy. If he would have walked back in healthy, no, he, Sabres are going to sue him? Yes, he you can't just go and get the surgery that you want. He could have. You just, you just he can't do have. it. Yeah, he should have. <laughs> like, you, 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 the CBA doesn't allow it. Your contract doesn't allow it. If he goes off and gets a medical procedure that the team doesn't approve of, he's going to get sued. That's why he didn't do it. Not if he's healthy. What does that mean, not if he's healthy? What I'm saying if he, if he goes and gets the surgery, right, and then he comes back to the team and he passes his physical and he can play or be traded or whatever – the Sabres are still going to sue him? I doubt it. You're saying, you're saying if he goes and gets the surgery, and then he comes back to the team and says, hey, look, the surgery that your medical staff didn't want me to get, I think it worked, that they're going to be like, well, guess we were wrong. They're going to sue his ass for the rest of his contract because he violated the collective well, bargaining they were, agreement they were and to, violated they the were, terms of his contract. They were headed to litigation anyway, right? Like that's why the trade happened to avoid litigation, right? To not to avoid litigation, but to avoid potential arbitration for sure. And neither side wanted that. But I mean, it didn't get to that point. And why didn't it get to that point? If you think that Eichel had a leg to stand on in the situation, you'd think it would have gone this long. I don't. Legally? I don't think he had a leg to stand on. But I think that he wants to blame the Sabers for not taking the risk. Like he wanted the Sabers to be the one well, to no, just eat the bullet. Like, hey, you're, you you're take mis- the risk. You're, misrepres- you're, misrepresenting, you're misrepresenting what he believes. What he believes is that there isn't a risk. What he believes is that this surgery is just as good as fusion surgery, and for his well-being after his playing days, it's even better. Well, and he thinks that he's got as many medical people saying that, that artificial disc replacement is going to be fine for a player in a contact sport like hockey as the Sabres have, guys saying that it's not it's not a, a surgery that they then would he should have got it Oxford. he should have got it then but how was he going to get it this is my question for you I, i'm not the only one who had this radical idea by the way i was reading all kinds of no, people no, no, writing no, no. I, that I, I he should have radical it. idea i love have radical it. ideas i love yeah. out of the box thinking but how is he getting the surgery because he's legally unable to get the surgery well legally unable in terms of his contract right it's not like the doctor yes. who performed it is bound to the cba Right, any doctor could do the surgery. But, but but I'm saying I'm saying to you like he can't just go and get whatever procedure he wants because no, the it's CBA the United States of America. He could have done he it. Can't. He could have done it. No, he couldn't have done it. How was he going to do, do it? Who would have stopped him? Who would have stopped him? He get his contract stops him. The CBA stops him. The NHLPA agreeing to this vacata thing okay, where right, teams control the bodies of their players. Hold on, let's slow it. Let's slow down. Let's slow down. We're in different different parts of the argument here. Hold on. Let's start with he wants to get the surgery. Forget the contract for a second. He wants to get right. the surgery. He goes to get the surgery. All right. Let's just but, 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 hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'll let you. There is no next step. How does he get the surgery? He goes to a doctor and gets approved. Will, will allow him to have the surgery. You there, can't just get it. The, the NHLPA and the contract has no legal binding over what he does in a medical office somewhere. No, of course it does. That's the whole Steve. That's the whole point. Is that the CBA puts the power of a player's health 
in the hands of the team. In terms of their contract the and in their world. Right. So then he gets sued, which is why he didn't just go get the surgery. There's no there's no hypothetical beyond. What I'm saying Don't is the, the Sabres would not get sued by the team. The Sabres would relent in the suit once he was healthy. It'd be over. No, they wouldn't. They would. They'd sue him because he violated his contract. What is about this? Don't you understand? Like, if, in, in this world that you're living in, they'd just allow him to get the surgery because then he'd come back healthy and they'd be like, well, I guess we won't sue you because, because you're obviously healthy now. They're never going to not sue him in that situation. They, they, they stripped him of the captaincy because they were petty about the situation with Eichel. What do you think they're going to do if he gets you don't think they should have, they're not allowing? You don't think they should have stripped him of the captaincy? Don't move the goalposts. I'm no, we can get back to it. You just brought it up. I'm de- saying you, de- you don't think they should have. The pettiness of a team versus a player, a player getting a surgery the team does not believe he should get, a surgery that, again, demonstrably limits his trade value and them trying to move him. Don't forget about that. You have teams that weren't going to acquire him if he got this surgery. So there is a damn good reason why the Sabres didn't want to allow him to get the surgery from a transactional point of view. But beyond all of this, he would have been sued because it violates his contract and violates the collective bargaining agreement. For the so record, there's no hypothetical for, to be had here. For the record, October 1st, 2021, Buffalo News. Jack Eichel should get the surgery. Jack Eichel should assume some risk and go have his surgery. This is amazing. So, so, so as a Buffalo fan, this has been all over. We're now citing the Buffalo News as, as scripture. I think this is this is more historic than anything else in this call so far. I actually I like Mike Harrington, so I. I don't. I don't. Know. Right. I have a problem with Mike. I mean, why? What, what's wrong with his reporting and reporting? I, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with Mike oh, okay. Harrington. I just find it interesting that you know I know the relationship between Buffalo fans and Buffalo News. I just find it to be a, a landmark case. I, I think right he's now. the best person on the beat, and I think Lance is second. I think they're much better oh, than. Man, the, this is, I will not stand for this John Vogel erasure. But I like. No, I, I like I John Vogel. I, I like John Vogel. I appreciate. I appreciate Mike's undoubtedly opinion column here, but again, come back to the facts. It's it's a violation of the CBA and a violation of his contract. He just can't get the surgery. He'll yeah. get sued. That's why he didn't get it. I understand. I understand the CBA very clearly. I understand that the Sabers were the team in power. I understand that Eichel's lawyer, uh, Robin Leonard, disagrees with the CBA. Um, <laughs> you know, so does I, Eichel. I appreciate. I, mean, I, I, I appreciate I, Leonard's uh, job of you know going out there to shame the Sabers. I appreciate him. Um, he's great. He's real helpful. I thought I thought Eichel was completely right in in what he said at his press conference this week when he was introduced with the Golden Knights, which is that the CBA should be amended to give players more power over their health. Well, I then the, then the player should negotiate that, right? Because presumably, right. presumably at some point it was like, okay, well if you want that, we want this, and they're like, okay, right? right. That's how negotiations work, and 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 as we've seen, and you and I have seen multiple multiple cba negotiations between the players in the league they don't have the spine for that kind of fight whether it's about their finances whether it's about any number of things the fundamental shift from taking the power over a player's body from the team to the player or making it more collaborative would require some sacrifice on their part and and i don't know if they're going to go there and i honestly don't know if they're going to go there because the instances the jack eichel situations for this league, it's maybe like one guy a season that's in this spot that he's in. And I don't think that the players as a, as a whole have the appetite to fight that hard for, for something that happens so rarely. If I was him, I would have got the surgery. Um, <laughs> you would Okay, that's great. And then you would have been 60 mil in the hole. 
because he, you would have been sued for it. If if the surgery works, I still contend they would have they would have worked it out. They would have settled. Or I just, I, they would have. It would have worked I out. I wish I lived in the world that you're living in. From your legal system sounds awesome. It sounds like the same legal system they have in like. Miracle on 34. And how much have they paid out of that bring, contract? People bring in bags of, of, of cards for Santa, and then Santa gets gets off. <laughs> how much have they paid <laughs> like, out? They haven't paid him $60 million. Why would he lose $60 million? I mean, $60 million is a number I'm throwing out there. I, 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 I'm speaking in generalities, kind of like he should just get the surgery as a generality. Right. Well, there's like you know five years left on the contract. So I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of money. You're, you're inflating the amount that he'd be risking. I think he'd be risking more, like, and I think it would have worked out. It would have settled. We could not. We never so got to. Be, main, we never got to be able to debate that, that point. Jack, is your main point here that you think Jack Eichel's a coward for not just violating his contract? No, and it's just it's just a point in many. We we somehow got it into this ten minute thing, but it was just of many grievances I have but, with the whole is, process. But what is what is the aim? But what's the aim here? Like when you say that he should just get the surgery, is it is it like a, a downtick on Eichel to say that he didn't? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because he because he wants to make it a down tick on the Sabers that he didn't get it, and people like his lawyer Robin Leonard want to make it a down tick on the Sabers. Sure. Which is ridiculous. And I think I think I think you can debate whether or not they're in the right or in, they're in the wrong based on this surgery. Which again, you have a number of people saying that it's fine to get it and it's not going to be a problem for a player in a contact sport, and you've got other people that disagree, and you have teams doctors that disagree. And then you have the Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames and apparently the Carolina Hurricanes that were all thinking he could get it. Well, and so I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. And by the way, he, I think the Sabres would have let him get it if he would have. Like, if that was the only issue to him being a Buffalo Sabre, I think they would have let him get it at some point. I think the real problem is that he wasn't going to be a Buffalo Sabre. So they didn't want to risk him getting it right like if if if, the, if everything is settled and they're just like mm-hmm. okay jack's here jack's committed jack wants to be here the only thing left to figure out is how do we fix his neck i think they would have found a way to work that out you know what i, I mean i think I too much agree. is being put, I think, put on it anyway you know what i mean too much is I like the fact that he go ahead sorry go ahead yeah no i'm just saying no, like in say, the I end think i think it's too valuable he, in the conversation i think the fact that he asked out and he asked out years ago. Yeah. Okay. After signing this contract, he's admitted it. Yep. It's been reported. And I think it's really been underreported that yes. that whole situation behind the scenes is happening. Look, look, before, before it became apparent that he was struggling through this injury, my first reaction was, oh, this is, this is what he thinks his ticket out is going to be. Like this medical impasse. Like that was my first reaction to this whole thing. Same. Before really getting into the surgery aspect of it and, and what it could mean for him later in life and understanding the difference between disc replacement and fusion surgery for this, for this player who's obviously looking towards his future as much as he's looking towards playing again. But I mean, my initial inkling was he, he asked out, we didn't even know how far back he had asked out. And I think you're right in the sense that like this whole situation with his health could have potentially, and again, the doctor still didn't believe in the surgery, but could have potentially ended differently had it not been for him you know, wanting to be no longer part of the franchise. That's a hundred percent. The bottom line to me is that his lack of commitment to the team, like he said on one of the places he spoke, I don't know if it was Elliot or Chicklets or whatever it was press conference. He said, Oh, I told him I'd come back and play for them. 
you know, if they let me get the surgery to create a market or something like that, it's like, that's so disingenuous. You know what I mean? Like the Sabres aren't going to go through all that to bring you back to play a few games for you to say, all right, is there a market for me yet? Like they're never going to let you walk into the locker room that way. You know, that's just not, that's even less of a reality than that. My idea that he should have went and got the surgery. I mean, that's just my struggle. My struggle here is that I feel like if you sign a contract like the contract that he signed and you are the franchise guy and, and the captain, usually, yeah, usually I'm, I'm kind of like, Hey, you, you got to know what you're getting into. I was like that way with Connor before the, the Oilers started winning a bit when it looked like he might not want to be there anymore because of how their lack of success was. And I'm like, but you, you signed the contract with that franchise, you know what you're getting into. I do kind of have a little sympathy for Eichel, though, because, like, this would have been the third rebuild. But it started his, with him. Of his career. I saw this in your huh? article. I saw this in your article. Yeah. But the problem is his second rebuild happened because he forced Dan Bilesma out. Right? Like, wow. he's the one bombing the rebuilds. You know what I mean? Like, he tanked that one for sure. I mean, once he forced Bilesma out, he forced the hand of the organization. You know what I mean? Like, Jack mm-hmm. Eichel is also, like, a big voice in that locker room about what happens too big of a voice during his tenure here. Sure. He has to bear a little bit of the blame with how it went there as well. But unless his last name is Pagula, he doesn't have the kind of sway to determine when a rebuild should happen. Right. And so, well, he had enough of a sway to get the coach fired. He definitely got Biles. Any number Taves and Taves and Kane. I'm not saying that super superstar shouldn't do it. I'm just saying if you do it, you have to live with the turmoil that follows it, no? But I mean, he I mean, if you create the instability, he, he didn't. He didn't determine the direction of the team. I mean, like, I, well, the GM I, I, and the, again, the like, GM and the coach were sort of connected, and then you see what I'm saying. Do you, do you honestly think that Jack Eichel is the reason why Jack Eichel has not been in the playoffs? No, the no, 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 no. See, that's okay. a big jump there. I'm just saying that, like, you're saying you want you want blaming him for like you want to let him out. Stuff. You I mean, want to let him out out on that and i'm saying like he was also a contributing factor in it like if you're in the locker room sabotaging the coaches hands are, i don't think his hands are clean okay um but I also that's all i'm that, saying you know he, he was with a, just an inept organization that that you know you shouldn't have more general managers than you do have than you have playoff appearances by the time you're in the league as long as eichel well that's always also why we have eichel right it's because they're an inept organization Right, and right. then they, and then you know this is going to be like the third time. And he committed. To go he committed to an inept organization. It's not like they were. And and I, and that's where I struggle with it because there yeah. is a part of me that's like you sign your contract, you know what you're getting into, and then there's a part of me that's like, hey, you gave it your best shot for for a pretty long time, and 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 now all of a sudden they're coming back to you and saying, hey, uh, we're going to have to go in the tank again. And you're just like, come on, what is this? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think they're better. They're better off today than they were couple of years ago so i don't know you know i mean i i think there's i'm writing about this later in the week that i, I do think that they're in a better spot than people give them credit for i mean I, I think they've got some good young players um i i think i think krebs is going to be good i don't know how good they'll be good um i think tuck is is a good player uh if you can stay healthy and they've got some pieces there, and they got they may have actually lucked into having the right coach there finally too. So I mean, I, I think there's there's something there. I mean, they still have to figure out some things. I'm not not really sure what they have in Darlene, and and not even sure if they should really make him the pillar that that he seems to be. 
Um, and then there's some other question marks around the lineup. But I, I do think that there's they can move on from this thing and be okay, even if I don't think they maximize the return for this franchise player. They have to believe in Darlene and go with it either way, right? I mean, they have to... Like, this is something I wanted to ask you. Like, So there was this period of time, a couple years in a row, where it was like McDavid, Eichel, Matthews coming in the league and dominating the league. And I feel like it's created this misconception of what 18 and 19-year-olds are in the National Hockey League. You know, that there was the this group of generational freaks and now everyone, whether it's uh, Capo in New York or Lafiniere there or Darlene or even Jack Hughes and his start in New Jersey. It's like everyone somehow needs to be Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel their first year or all of a sudden the perception starts to change right away on what that player is and what his ceiling is. Do you feel that too? No, I think, I think that's really fair. Um, and I say that as a devil's fan, because like Jack Hughes has been pretty good in his first couple of years, right? And and injuries have been an issue and, and the team not being very good has been an issue. But if you look at his underlying output, I think that he's proven himself to be a very good NHL player so far. And he's still crazy young. Um, same thing with Nico Heischer. And, and again, like if the Devils hadn't taken Heischer first, they would have taken Nolan Patrick first. And who would you rather have career-wise right now? Yeah, Nolan yeah. Patrick or Nico Heischer? Heischer, for sure. Of course sure. you'd rather yeah. have Heischer. And, and I think you're right. Like Because Heischer wasn't Matthews and McDavid, and because Jack hasn't been Matthews and McDavid, there's a perception of like those two guys may be u- underwhelming. But in actuality, the Devils have, in, theoretically, their, their, their top two centers for the next 10 years. right? And, and if you get that out of the draft, that's you're doing pretty good for yourself, right? Yeah. Like those are those are foundational players that you can build around, and 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 you know the only hope that you have is that the only fear that you have when you pick that high is that you're going to have an outright bust, and uh, and I don't think either of those guys are, even if they don't rise to the level of a of a of a of a McDavid or a Matthews. Darlene's an interesting one. I mean, I, I, I honestly like when and you look at the other harder. team and defensemen are longer. Well, defensemen are harder, but yeah. then you, you look at where Ekblad is. Cole McCarr ruins is, it. You, yeah. Well, I mean, even Ekblad, though. Like, Ekblad's clearly better than Darlene. Like, clearly. And, wait, and wait, wait, like right now and, or, like, relative to where they were in their careers? Right now and through their careers. Okay. Like, I think Ekblad has been on a Norris track for multiple seasons. Like, I mean, Ekblad, he's got Ekblad's like right a seven-year vet at this point, isn't he? We're comparing Darlene to Ekblad? Yeah, but even in his first go, I mean, the only reason that he wasn't better in his first for a few years is because he had a concussion issue. Yeah, they're also completely I think, I think different players, though, too, right? I mean, Ekblad is like uh, not the kind of player that Jack, uh, like what you want from Rasmus Dahlin, is he? Well, what do you want from Rasmus Dahlin? Well, I want I want him to be more of, you know, a puck. I want him to be closer to Brian Leach, and I want Ekblad to be closer to Chris Chelios. Uh, fair enough. I mean, I guess. But, I mean, as far as, like, success on the ice and, and – actualization of, of, of the draft pack, draft pick investment, I think that I would take Ekblad. Yeah, okay, maybe. I mean, but he was a first... It's not like the Sabres picked Darlene over Ekblad. I don't know. Like, you might be right, but, like, if Darlene isn't quite as good as Ekblad, I mean, he was the first overall pick, too, right? Yes, he was. Right, I don't know. I wouldn't be that disappointed. I think Ekblad, like you said, he's a Norris Trophy potential winner. If do you gets, think that... Do you think, do you, are you happy with where Darlene is right now? If he went Right now, no. I mean, he's got a ways to go. Okay. But if he wins the okay. Norris Trophy someday, I'll be think it was a great pick. Well, for sure, I think we all would. <laughs> right, right. So if he can get to a Norris Trophy winning track, I think he could do that. I guess I'm saying your comp isn't like way out of what I think he could accomplish. Well, I, I just hope that they're betting right. 
I mean, there's, there's well, parts yeah, of the game I, mean, I, I guess my point is they have no, no choice but to bet on it. They have no other – there's nowhere else to put the chips. I mean, that – You're that, probably right on that. Yeah. I mean, that was the guy who was up when they were up. So you got to – I mean, there's no other – it's like it's him in power. Like, like I said, the number one thing the Sabres need is the players that are supposed to be good to actually be good, right? Like they just, just – they just need these guys to – be what they were projected to be. Like if Middlestat, yeah, Cozens, Quinn, Darlene, Power, uh, the German kid, I'm probably leaving one or two more out, are just what they were projected as, they're going to be a, they're, yeah, it's a powerhouse core. They could be a powerhouse team, assuming they fix we, goalie. And we didn't even talk about Power. Like I think Power is great. I yeah, oh, I think he's great too. He's a really, really good player and like the kind of guy that can be an anchor on your blue line for a really long time. And, and I love the fact that he's, he's, he's stayed in Michigan. Um, and, and got a little bit more seasoning there. I, I just think it's a really good pick. Everyone I've talked to about powers, like they got a good one there. So, I mean, again, that's part of the total package of, of what's coming. Um, and, and it would be interesting to see. Like, I mean, I, I think every Sabres fan probably would like a situation in which they look at what they have in three years from now and uh, look over in Vegas and Jack Eichel doesn't have a ring and kind of like be, hey, look what, what could have happened if you had stayed kind of thing right yeah. like that's the dream right yep. for a Sabres fan yeah for sure to rub it in his face somehow I can't wait to go and boo him someday I I've, <laughs> I have said that I'll never I'm not paying down there again until they make the playoffs like I kind of look at them like a family member who has like a really bad addiction problem and you get to that point where you just kind of have to like say all right I know you might die out in the streets but if you can get it together you can come back to Thanksgiving like that's kind of where I am with them like I know that they might never come back, but if they do, I'll be ready. But like, I'm not going down there and paying eighty five dollars on a Wednesday to see him play Washington or whatever because the prices are outrageous. <laughs> you know, like right, they're right. just not getting my money for this anymore. I did it for ten years. But uh, mm-hmm. with that said, I will pay um, to boo Jack Eichel. They can they can name the price. I will do that. <laughs> um. Because I remember like a sad night when we were bo- like we were booing Chris Drury, and then another sad night where we were booing Daniel. I mean, I wasn't booing him, but people were. Um, so we get mean, and and we love those guys. I mean, they actually won playoff rounds. I mean, right? Jack, uh, those guys were a Jay McKee staff infection away from being Stanley Cup champions. I mean, these, <laughs> <laughs> and we treated them very, very poorly in return. So I can't imagine what Jack Eichel's gonna get. Um, I'm disappointed we burned up the whole time on this. Let me throw just two real quick ones at you. I'll let you go in four minutes. Um, Florida, Carolina, and Edmonton. Who's the best of those three? Florida, Carolina, and Edmonton? Yeah, like they're kind of the three that have Um, broken out just to unbelievable starts, right? Yeah, I would say say top to bottom, it's probably... Edmonton's really been impressive, um, and, and it's the Connor and Leon show, but I think they've also done pretty well defensively, too. Uh, I'd have to say Carolina just because of, of sort of proof of concept of, of that group having been together for as long as they have, and I think that you know they haven't missed Dougie Hamilton as much as we thought they would because D'Angelo's kind of contributed offensively, uh, as was expected. Um, and, and obviously the, the change in scenery for Freddie Anderson has allowed him to find his game again uh, without being in that pressure cooker in Toronto. So I, I would say top to bottom Carolina, um, but Edmonton and, and Florida have both been really impressive. And in Florida's case, I, I think that, um, you know, 
we're still trying to figure out what the total impact of losing Quenville is going to be. Uh, immediately, there hasn't been any because they're playing the same systems they played under Q. There's been kind of a continuation with, with Brunette taking over as head coach. Um, it's when they start hitting the skid a little bit that you are going to test, test the metal of this new coaching staff and really see what they have there. Um, in Edmonton's case, I mean, look, they've been, I need to see a little bit more of them against top teams. So I think sure. they've, they've, they've been beating the hell out of people on home ice and, and it's been really fun to watch, uh, them make a lot of money for a lot of people as far as how many goals they've been scoring. Uh, but, but I need to see them a little bit more before I understand exactly what we have with that team. This far into the season, would you change your cup pick or would you keep with what well, I'm, I can't remember what you picked, but would you keep it or would you switch? I think I picked the Islanders. I'm not changing it. I okay. think the Islanders have been um, a pretty good story early on to be able to be over 500, kind of be within striking distance of a playoff spot. They're only like maybe like four points off the pace right now with a couple games in hand. And um, and they're doing all of this on the road before they even right. play a There's, single home. Yeah, game. it's not even open yet. I, yeah, right. So they've they they played they played ten games on the road so far, and they're over five hundred to start the season. Not having really played their best hockey yet, so I'm 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 bullish. I'm I'm okay on that pick right now because I, I do think they're going to play well at home, um, and ultimately it really they just have to get in because ultimately it just is is them as a playoff team that has really made me a believer in them potentially winning the season. I'm a huge, huge Anders Lee fan. I mean, I think it's an. I think he's a USA hockey hero. I think it's underreported. You know, this is a guy who was Mr. Football in Minnesota and could have played quarterback at Notre Dame, but instead he went back to the USHL. He went to the USHL to earn a hockey scholarship at Notre Dame. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to be on the Olympic team or not, but I, I just, I think he's a hero. Too. I mean, if if we get kids of his caliber, Mr. Footballs picking hockey, I know it's Minnesota. Okay. Fair enough, but you know, <laughs> um, but if that starts happening in more states, it's it's big for us, I think. So I love Anders Lee, but, but it's also it's also for them, like you know, getting him back is is getting back a guy that can score you that goal in a one nothing game seven against Tampa, like they had last year, yeah, um, and, and get you that extra goal that Hell you yeah. need. Like I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's sort of underrated. Um, you know, what kind of impact he, he can have on that team when he's healthy. I could go all in on the Islanders if for nothing else to make the Karate Kid happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right, very last thing. I'll let you go on this. ESPN is a rights holder now. How has it changed the job of Greg, Greg Wyshynski? I'm sorry. Screwed up your name there. Uh, you were there a few years as non-rights holders, and they are now, and it has to be exciting for you and everyone there, but how has the role changed? How has the job changed? What's it like to be on the rights holding team now? I mean, it's just, it's more opportunity to do stuff and do fun stuff. Um, you know, there, we did a, a, a half an hour digital show on opening night. That's going to come back, I think in January. I liked it. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really it. good. It was and, good. And I think it's going to be a, a spot that people are going to gravitate to, you know, there's good, there's other sort of projects that are in the pipeline to that end. Um, and then just, you know, the ability to kind of, um, you know, work within a larger team. I mean, to be able to kind of call on people that I work with to run things by them or bounce things off of them has been really valuable. And, um, you know, just, just do the overall, um, pace is interesting too. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's always written every day and had stuff on the site every day, but now because we have over a thousand games in ESPN plus, yeah. it's allowed me to kind of like 
you know, tentpole certain stories to certain appearances by teams on our network where we're going to be covering the games with, with our, our own staff. So that's been nice. I mean, it, I'm somebody who, you know, likes a bit of a regimen, as people know from reading the blog, where, you know, we'd have the same features every day and same features every week, and, and you kind of could set your watch by them. And so, you know, for me to do a biweekly betting column on Mondays, and to have the column that I do run on every Thursday and then kind of know where these feature stories are going to be seated on the site has been a real advantage. So I, I, if anything, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's all been really positive. It's, you know, a, a bit of, of different navigation sometimes to get stories promoted and things just because it's the, 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 the uh, operation has become so massive so big, <laughs> like yeah. overnight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, overall, I, I mean, I couldn't be happier. It's been, it's been really fun to, See how the other half lives, as it were. <laughs> the Greg Wyshynski Monday Morning Quarterback column is like one of my favorite things. Uh, I love reading that. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's all good. I mean, yeah. it's, it's 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 fun to have that space, and I give them credit for you know allowing me the the space to you know have opinion and 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 write that sort of column because um, not everybody at the at the at the place gets one, and and I appreciate that uh, the column has gotten enough support through the years that they continue to allow me to do it. I mean, if they wouldn't allow me to do it if people weren't reading it. So I appreciate everybody that's, that's, that reads on a weekly basis. And having someone as big and talented as um, as uh, Sean McDonough back in hockey is huge too, I think. Um, I love it's it. been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I've never really heard him all that much, you know, and, and to now hear him doing, doing hockey games is kind of cool, but my my joy and and you know he's a friend and and stuff so it, you know it's pretty he's you know, biased but like to he, be able to hear uh, Buchagross doing games again and stuff has just been an absolute joy. Yeah, Sean is great to me. I mean, he came on when he was doing Monday Night Football. He came on every year. He came on earlier this fall. He had done the night before the Yankees and Red Sox playoff game. He had Michigan and Nebraska or something on the weekend, and then he also had a hockey game in between. He still gave me half hour. I'm just super glad he's back. <laughs> um, he's super great. great. And as great as you are, I'll let you go because um, I know this is more time probably than you want to give, but I always appreciate you and it. Uh, at Wyshynski on Twitter. Uh, go ahead. Plug all your stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, it's at Wyshynski on Twitter. Um, you can read my stuff at ESPN.com. Uh, Puck Soup, I would suggest you get on the Puck Soup Patreon, which is Patreon slash Puck Soup, uh, where we're going to have a ton of, of new features coming up soon. Uh, so do check that out as well. Eichel should have went rogue. I stand by it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, Greg. See you, man. Take care. I was a little too tall. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering out. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high I want to thank Greg Wyshynski for being on the show today. I also want to thank Hot Water. That's right, Hot Water. Uh, for doing the best to save what's left of my voice here so I can get through this. Uh, book club update it's a big one so we got three books uh thanks again to rich podolsky the author of you are looking live uh that interview was on the last episode check that out episode 22 
I guess, of the show, 1122. Uh, check that out if you can. <clears throat> Excuse me. My God, the voice is dying. Um, and that means we have three books left this year. Uh, I'm going to close the door on the Sopranos book. We're not getting it, I guess. Um, I'll read you the last email I got from the PR people there. Who, by the way, came to me with dates and where can you do it? Uh, the last thing I got from the PR person there was, I'm trying, they just have a lot on their plate. So my guess is that the PR lady was interested in us doing it, but Michael and Steven weren't interested in doing it. That's my guess. Uh, but whatever, we're not going to get that one. One we did get is Dana O'Neill's The Big East, inside the most entertaining and influential conference in basketball history. Uh, you know I'm not a huge basketball guy, uh, but I did enjoy this book. Can't wait to talk to Dana about it. Love Big East basketball. Um, like college much more than the NBA. Uh, and I think she did a really good one on that. Uh, second book. We'll have her on soon. Hopefully before the end of the year. I would assume definitely before the end of the year. Also on before the end of the year, and actually the interview is on November 29th, uh, is the author of Tinderbox, HBO's Ruthless, per Ruthless Pursuit of New Frontiers by James Andrew Miller. It is an oral history like he does like no other. Um, he the ESPN book, Those Guys Have All the Fun, was written by him in this style, and he was on this podcast to promote it when it came out. Uh, I got it in the mail today. It's embargoed until its release date, which I think is the 23rd, but I was lucky enough to get it today, and it's a good thing because it's a beast, and I'm going to spend all of Thanksgiving break trying to read it because it's 900-plus pages. Um, but I read the intro and it's all about Gandolfini and it's awesome and I can't wait to read about HBO and talk to James Andrew Miller about it on the show. And then the third book uh, that we're working on right now was also released this week. Uh, it actually came out a couple days ago, November 16th, and it's Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Uh, and that's written by D Dan Shaughnessy. And the reason I wanted to do this book is because I wanted to get Dan Shaughnessy on the show. I actually spoke with Dan, and he will be on the show. Uh, so all I have to do is read this book, uh, which I got a copy of yesterday. And when I finish that, we'll reach out to Dan and talk to him. All right. I only got so many words left in this voice, so I'm going to end this there. The Big East by Dana O'Neill. Tinderbox by James Andrew Miller. And I wish it lasted forever. Life with Larry Bird and the Celtics by Dan Shaughnessy. Those are the books for right now. And that's it for 2021 and season 11. Anything I get at this point besides these three will be part of season 12 and push to 2022. And there's a ton of good books for 2022. So, and I've talked about some of them before. And I'll talk about them again when my voice isn't dying. Uh, so with that said, let's take a break. We'll be right back uh, with Andrew Marchand from the New York Post. It's not easy listening. And it's not for wimps. It's for stations who want their music to be as exciting as their talk. Sports Radio 66. WFAN, New York. This is New York Fan. 
created for America's first and best. He doesn't work for the fan, but he certainly writes about it, and he does it for the New York Post. And he also has a new podcast out uh, with John Oran called Marshawn and Orand. Comes out every Wednesday. He's got a new newsletter on Post Plus, and he's nice enough to join us today. A warm sportscaster's welcome uh, to Andrew Marshawn. What's up, Marshawn? How you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. How are things in the, in the big city? It's, everything's good. Uh, just uh, we got no sports except for sports media. That's the only yeah. thing to talk about. What's the line is right? Everyone wants to cover sports media, so that's what we're going to do today. There you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Let's see. Where do you want to start? What's what's number one on your list right now? What, what what's taking up the most of your time right now? I'll let you start. Uh, I mean, there's a Rod and Ravage. Uh, there's football. I mean, obviously, Manning cast and the yeah. ratings. Uh, Premier League's not decided as we speak. Probably when some people listen to it, it will be decided. That's kind of a big one that's going to happen soon. What's your uh, prediction so, yeah, there's, there? There's a lot of go anywhere. What's your prediction on Premier League? You think it's going to split? Uh, I'll go NBC. I'll, okay. go, I'll go NBC. I think I think they'll retain it. I think they want it the most. Um, so I think they'll retain it. They've built it up. I think they didn't get hockey, so they have a little more money in the war chest that they could probably feel free to use. And I just think that they're the most motivated. So I'll go with them. But that said, it's at least it's supposed to be just envelope. So uh, who knows who, who might come with some crazy bid. I mean, Amazon's in there. Uh, ESPN and CBS are together, so uh, nothing would actually surprise me, but I'd go NBC as my favorite. So I don't know if you know about my relationship with soccer at all, but for years and years and years, I've been country only. And uh, I've been a huge fan of Italian soccer since the first World Cup I watched, which I think was 86. Um, And come 94, I'm watching the final with my great-grandmother. And she's just kind of in the background, and I don't even think she's paying attention or even knows what's going on. I had told her that Italy was playing. Obviously, she was born there and everything. And um, uh, I look back after Roberto Baggio kicked it over the net, and she's crying. And I was like, oh, Grandma, what's wrong? I swear to God, I didn't think it was related to soccer. And she's just like, oh, I'm just so sad for Italy. Oh, they love the, they love the way the boys are the play. I am so sad for Italy. And... Um, you know, then in 2006, when we won in penalties against France, I, I went and visited her at her grave, took her some flowers. And it, that's always kind of been my relationship. I get pumped up for the big events and I watch Italy. When my, bo- my daughter was born in June of 2016, which was right when the Euro was playing, like she was literally a day old or two or three days old when Italy played their first game in that tournament. And there's like this thing, like we have the world's youngest Italian soccer fan. And um, that was really fun. And then this summer, I really kind of had a cultural awakening in a way, uh, just watching that team and, and what it made me think about my past and my grandmother's great and regular. I named my daughter after my grandmother. Um, and I, I felt I felt the urge to continue to be a part of the team and the players that make up the team. And I didn't know going into it what a nightmare that is, right? Like I didn't realize that like, you know, Jorginho is in England and – you know, uh, Verratti is in France and Donnarumma's in France. And then the rest of the guys are kind of all over on all these different teams in Italy. And, you know, the France league is over here and the Premier League is over here and the Italy league is on Paramount. It's just a nightmare to try to keep up with 
all the soccer. And my main takeaway is there's just way too much soccer. They don't give these guys any time. They're all exhausted. They're all hurt. Everyone's got a muscle injury. Everyone's got a hamstring. Like, And I know it's because of the pandemic. They're trying to catch up and everything, but it's really bad. And I thought that the, I watched, the, obviously, the two Italy qualification games uh, the last couple of days, and the coverage on ESPN was so bad. Um, it was so half-assed. Like, the, the second game, Italy and Switzerland were playing simultaneously with the chance to win the group. And watching the Italy game, uh, I think it was Champion was calling it, who's really good. But he, he was by himself, so he's just talking and talking and talking and talking. Mm. And I had to mute it because he's talking and talking and talking. And all he's talking about is how bad it's going to go. You know, he's like, like every minute we hadn't scored yet, he's like, oh, score. <laughs> so I muted it in the assumption that. He was that right. He was right. He, he was, was right. right. He was. But my assumption <laughs> was that if Switzerland would score, they would update the table and like put it on the screen. Because on Friday when we played. Oh, I love the you know, live updates. I love the live They were doing that all. That in the United States. They were doing that on Friday when, you know, Switzerland was ahead of us. They showed the table on the bottom, you know. With them yeah. on top. And then when we tied it, they showed it again. And then as the day, you know, they kept updating it or whatever. And so it's like the 86th minute. And I'm noticing that they're showing the crowd a lot more. And the Ireland crowd is really cocky and really happy and really smiley. I'm like, I guarantee Switzerland has scored. And these people know because they're just way too excited about this, their team that literally didn't even try to score a goal. You know, they just played 11 in the back and yep. just to spoil Parked the bus. Yeah. Just to spoil Italy's day or whatever. And it worked good for them, I guess. Um, and sure enough, I go to my phone, it's three, nothing Switzerland. And I was just like, man, that just seems like bad coverage. Like, how do you not put a score thing up or an updated standings? I don't know if you have a thought on that or the coverage in general, or what I'm just talking about in the sense of like, and this is maybe a sports media issue, and maybe it goes to all the subscription services and all the rights fees, but it's really hard. And, and I'm still somewhat a casual fan, I mean, but it's really hard to find all the soccer you would want to find. I mean, at the very least, if you wanted to watch, let's say, three of the five leagues in Europe, you're, you're automatically in, yes, if you, let's say you want to watch Spain, England, and Italy, right there, it's three different services right as of right now as we wait yep. for, for the update but premier is paramount italy is uh or excuse me premier is uh peacock, peacock uh peacock. paramount italy and espn for spain it's like wow it's a lot of prescriptions yeah for, well you know? i think it gets i think you're getting to yeah i think you're getting to a couple of things is you know with the tonnage of sports so number one in terms of the quality um they're doing tonnage so they're gonna not gonna treat every broadcast like the Super Bowl. Right. You need a lot of announcers that aren't there. If you look at like the Paramount Plus broadcast of the U.S. Uh, Jamaica game, was it the other day? Yeah, that um, was last, their last they, game. Yeah, so that like um, didn't compare to the uh, ESPN uh, Mexico-U.S. game, which just was lively. That one, I don't think the announcers were there. At least it didn't sell. I'm pretty sure they weren't at the Panama game, the U.S. Panama game on Paramount Plus. And if they were, they didn't sound like it. Um, right. So that just makes a difference. Uh, the sound quality, just of the crowd, the, they had the boo-loses, you know, the boo-boo-loses going. It was very annoying. Sure. Uh, but that's not, you know, they can't do anything about that. So there's that tonnage. Then on soccer, now, the one thing is, 
yes, we'd all love to have one service and pay for it, and that'd be it for soccer. Uh, and that would make sense. The difference is, though, soccer compared to, like, the NFL or soccer compared to baseball, there's really one league, soccer compared to the NHL, one league. Uh, soccer setup is that there's multiple leagues that are very good, and we could argue about which one's the best, and, uh, and then there's multiple tournaments and which one. So it's not just – so I guess – my point would be, yes, people who want everything are going to have to pay for it all, and that's going to be very expensive. Uh, but I do think there's just so much inventory of quality stuff that people want to watch uh, that makes it so kind of unrealistic, especially if you're kind of thinking of it as a comparison to other uh, sports and other leagues. Yeah, I think ideally my grandparents should have been born in England. Because I feel like they're the the fans of if if you're an English England country over club guy like I'm an Italian country over club guy, just by the nature of the setup, almost all their guys are in Premier League, right? So it's it must be nice for for an English fan. You just probably every game you watch in Premier League, there's at least one guy from the uh, national team playing against at least one guy on the other side. But um, true. But then, but still, they would not. If your grandparents have thought about your subscription right. needs, which they should have, uh, an OTT in which 1890, they, which they should have, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. They, they should have, yeah. When they came to Ellis Island, yeah. what will the OTT be? Or before they got there, they'd have to think sure. about this. Um, but then, if still, if you want to watch England, you still need, uh, I think, I believe, I could be mistaken, but I believe their qualifying matches in the U.S. are on ESPN and ESPN Plus. They are, yeah. Uh, All the so, UEFA qualifying is with ESPN Plus, yep. Yeah, so... Yeah. You're getting UEFA there. But UEFA switching, Peacock, right? So. UEFA just signed with Fox, I think. Yes, with Fox. Yep. So, yes, yeah, so then now they just need cable. They do not need a subscription. <laughs> so, they did not, they should have thought it out a little OTT discussion right. at the uh, kitchen table back in, like, I guess like you said 1890. So, they were talking about that well, yeah. 1870. You know, it's really interesting what happened is my great great grandmother and grandfather came here, and then my great grandmother was born, and her mother hated it and took her back to Italy. And then, oh, interesting. And then, so my my great great my great grandmother was born here, a U.S. citizen because she was born here. But by the time she was three months old, she was back to Italy, and she stayed there until World War II, right before. And then, because she was a citizen, she was allowed to come back, but she couldn't bring her kids oh. just yet. So she got back. Ooh. So she got back, and then she did what she had to do and sent for my grandmother, who was twelve. And her sister, who was four, and my grandmother, 12 years old, had to get her sister, four years old, by the hand, get her on the boat, hold her on the boat, go across the ocean. And this isn't a cruise liner. Go across the ocean, then get off the boat, and then find my great-grandmother on Ellis Island. You know what I mean? So it wasn't easy. And um, my grandmother, Paula, who was the 12-year-old at the time, I named my daughter Paula um, because I hope she could have the bravery that my grandma did to pull that off. I mean to be 12 years old and be responsible for your four-year-old sister and get her across the Atlantic Ocean and then... Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy to even think about. And it, it is a little disappointing that they weren't thinking about OTT as well, but um, I'm going to give a pass. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you listen, yeah, you, I think give them a pass. Yeah, World War II was I, raging. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. World War II is big. <laughs> I mean, they should have been thinking about it. But yeah, Mus Mussolini and all that, you know, I understand. You know, it's yeah. kind of the gripe that you were getting on Boomer. And uh, who's Boomer's partner? Gio, Gio and Boomer. Uh, Greg Giannata, yep. yeah. Gio, yep. Uh, you got you were getting hammered a little bit on the the multiple streams just within the uh, 
New York Post world, uh, which I suffer from, because yeah. as someone who likes to read the New York Post um, every day, I have the app. And then someone who's become friends with you and having you on, and and you're like, did you try out this? I did. Tr- I am trying it for you, but that's a separate uh, subscription. But it was nice to hear yeah. that you said there is some thought to maybe combining those, which I think would be the right thing. Yeah, to I do. asked about yeah. it. Yeah, I asked about it. It seems to me that would be smart, but. I mean, it's really not in my hands. So, you know, they were trying to I think, get me in trouble a little bit there. I think they were, the yeah. They were hammering but, uh, you, huh? Yeah. How'd I do? Did I do all right? You did. You held up good. I mean, they're trying to get you to answer for the corporate overlords at the New York Post and their decisions on profit streams and stuff. I thought they were being a little hard on you. I thought you held up good. But, uh, yeah, they're trying to get me in trouble. I think, yeah, I thought I would, I tried to do like an ad the whole time, you know, it's added, you know, trying to get that out there as much as possible. So, whatever. I mean, listen, they got to juice their rating somehow, so I got to help them out. Well, yeah, and since we're on, well, since <laughs> we're kidding. on, well, since we're on, New York. their ratings, I'd like to, see, yeah, their ratings for that 15, 20 minute interview, I'd say. Must oh, I heard you popped a number. Anyway. I heard you popped a really big number. Yeah, you think so? yeah it was like uh, when, uh, like when Beetlejuice would come in in his prime, you know, into Howard back, back then. And, Get 15 million people in a blink. You bring it up? Yeah. Uh, yeah while we're on FAN, what did you think about the, the their latest farewell tour and what what is the station now with the departure, the latest departure, one of several? It seems like that what was the core of it is sort of dwindling down and it feels like a real flip of the station, you know? It is. Uh, you know, Steve Summers retiring. Uh, he didn't fully want to go, I don't think, but um... – he retires at 74 years old. Uh, he was the soul of the station, I think. When you look at his 34 years, he was original. I uh, really loved the fans as much as any of the hosts and respected the callers, um, which sometimes others did not. Uh, and so that made him stand out. And then overall, the station's in transition. Um, it's going to um, you know, try to get younger, diversify more. Um, and it's just a different station. And look, Steve, as I think anybody who grew up listening to FAN or um, is going to know that um, that um, is going to feel that, um, you know, Steve is part of not your family necessarily, maybe not that strong, but is someone who um, you just you just you listen to for so long. Yeah, so certainly your special. routine. It's like uh, a habit comes like a habit exactly yeah. it's just his voice too and it wasn't really about what he said but more of like his voice and the nasally sound that he said i mean all last week i kept saying just just out loud me here you there like yeah. and he had you know, seinfeld no reason really yeah he had seinfeld yeah, would randomly really, call in seinfeld stuff i could do yeah i don't did you listen to the farewell show i did yeah I, I was yeah, surprised I really to hear like Seinfeld me, say that, like, oh, I'm the reason you had your job at one point. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so annoying. That, that was, was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I was yeah, waiting for him to ask him why his show got canceled. Because um, I thought that would have been funny. Do you remember that when he when uh, yeah. Peter or not Peter King, uh, Larry King asked Jerry why his show got canceled? Oh yeah, yeah. I, said, Jerry, I wanted him to do that. Jerry, oh, I wanted Steve. Jerry like flipped out. Yeah, Steve would have asked. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> why would you flip out? I thought that said more about. I mean, Larry King should obviously know that. He obviously <laughs> should know that. But 
It's a funny clip. I was so offended. Oh my god, he gets so rattled. He gets so rattled by it. We had thirty million viewers. We got thirty million viewers, Larry. Come on, what kind of can someone get? Yeah, can somebody get Larry a resume? That was pretty good line. But I find yeah, I find Seinfeld, and I like Seinfeld as much as anybody. I mean, I mean, people like it more than I do. I like it a lot, but uh, I find him a bit obnoxious. Like he like invented comedy. Yes, you you had the most successful sitcom probably ever. But and that's obviously you should feel good about yourself. But it's just a little much when he talks about like the science comedy and all that. Maybe sure. that's probably true. Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. One last thing on FAN. So were you surprised a little bit that Michael K and I? This bugs me because for years and years and years, and as being a huge Howard fan, my whole life. Um, even though I, I think I've told you I'm a Laps fan now, I still listen every day, but I, I only listen to catalog shows. Um, but I know that ratings books are quarterly. And somewhere in the battle between Mike and Kay, it started to become that it was so popular to follow. The stories were so great for you and for Neil Best and whoever else covering it that we started to get in this habit of watching it monthly which really doesn't mean anything, right? These books are quarterly. But anyway, the first month was a reversal of what the trend had seemed to be of the K show being second to Carton. Um, Were you surprised to see it? Do you think it's going to continue that way? Is there a reason for it? What do you think is going on there? Well, uh, number one, there was a trend in the summer where K beat uh, Carton and Roberts. And so that trend's now continued into the fall. So there was a mini trend. We don't really count the summer because, you know, nobody does. Yeah, because, people are on uh, vacation. Uh, most and, of the host- yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, look, I-, I guess the problem for me with the ratings is they seem very fickle. Like, you just don't know what, you know, like sometimes when the Yankees are doing well over the years, you're like, well, okay, he should do well. And then he doesn't do as well against Aaron Sessa. Um, so I. Uh, so I get we do we do look at them and we do report on them and they do have significance for whatever reason because of their each sides uh, especially their super fans on each side. Uh, but I don't know I don't know how much credence I put in the whole thing in terms of really what they mean. Like is there did somehow the K show suddenly get better? Did Carton no, get worse? That didn't did, happen. Yeah, I don't. That's yeah. So uh, well, yeah, exactly. So so like what happened exactly? What changed? Yeah, I was wondering um, I if it was like, the Yankees in the playoffs. Like I was going the Yankees route that I you mean, said maybe. usually doesn't I mean, matter. Yeah, maybe it might be it. I, I look, I critique the shows on a personal level, what I think of them, but not necessarily that really. That doesn't really say what the audience uh, sure. thinks of it. Now, look, I think if you look over the years, Mike and Chris, or you know your Howard example, uh, those guys all you know were number one in their genre for, you know, consistently. And I think that says something, of course, like, so then the ratings have some credence. And I think, um, you know, you go by a three month book and it means something. I mean, there's bonuses involved and there's, you know, because of Mike, mostly it became a bragging rights thing and, and important. And, uh, uh, and the monthly thing became a thing because when Mike came back, then we started doing monthly, maybe it was even before that. I think Kay beat uh, Francesca once in a month, and so that also but made then it. Lost the so book. that's like where yeah. like, but then lost the book exactly, yeah. and then there was the streaming issue, and now I've kind of yeah the streaming and I think issue. Neil has too. We both have gone. We've gone with the streaming, and like they fight about the streaming. Michael K. Totally it's wrong like about all, that. 
Yeah, it yeah. Kind of, it, he. I mean, I look. I, I do think there's an argument for ESPN. I've come out now with the going with the FAN side of it. I do think there's an argument I could get into. I won't bore your audience, but um, uh, but the bottom line is, um, yeah, it's become like the fifth sport, and especially when it goes back and forth. And then Carton came in, and he started talking about their winners and losers. Uh, when he started winning, so now when he starts losing, so that <laughs> makes it more of a little bit of a story. Uh, and so, uh, but I don't know. And they asked me, Boomer and Geo asked me about this on the uh, air on FAN. It's like, for me, the stories do okay. It's not like they're like some like, wow, this is like uh, setting the website on fire. They do okay, but there's many stories that do much better than those. Uh, I like, I think, I'm not a huge Carton fan, but I think he's unbelievably talented. Like, I think he's just like, as talented as anyone and doing what he does. He's just really, I feel like, just good at it. Like in a, like in yeah. the way that like A-Rod was talented in at baseball, like at his 18 or whatever. Just like just that raw natural ability to do it. You know? And um but my, you know, when I when you do the show that I've done for ten years now, you start to look at the sports media and people in it. You like the people who've been good to you, and you don't like the people who've been bad to you. And even though Michael Kay or Rosenberg or the other guy, LaGreco, haven't been mean to me, they've been mean to people who are nice to me, so I take offense to that. And um, and also, I was a big Mike, Mike and the Mad Dog Mark, so I didn't like that they were going against Mike, even though I never really like Chris and Dog in general. I think they're better together. That The sum of the parts is greater, whatever that saying is. Um, and Chris is a little better than Mike by himself, I think, but... I don't know. I don't know why it's so interesting, but it is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why. Yeah, well, yeah. I think we know why. You know what I think it is? I think part of it is that radio of all media is really where you have the closest relationship with your audience. And podcasts may be eclipsing that, but that you're not on as much as you are in radio. And so you're kind of, um, it's hard to hide on radio. It's hard to be someone you're not on the radio and then be someone different off air. Like you're a host. You could do that. Like I know people who are, or play by play people who kind of are jerks or good guys who might not be either, uh, who might be really good on the air jerks off the air, or maybe aren't as good on the air, but just, you know, one of the nicest people, men or women out there. And so, uh, you but you don't kind of, you could, you can fail to see that when you're watching the studio radio, you really know the people they're talking about things. A lot of times they talk about their families, their lives. And so that makes it very personal for the core audience. So I think that's why that resonates so much. And then also when you have like larger than life um, personalities, maybe get into, um, you know, some huge egos, which, you know, a lot of these guys have got complexes because their whole life is everyone's asking for their opinion. So they start to think that theirs is more important than everyone else's. Uh, And so that creates, uh, I think, interest. Well, I, I think, like, going back to Howard for a little second to make a comparison to what you were just saying. Like, with Howard, who all the whole, like, thing from private parts, like, oh, I got to go all the way. I got to be honest. And I gotta put myself out there. And he did do a degree. But also, you always heard that Howard was different off the air. You know, you'd always hear it from people who came in or people who were being interviewed by Howard. It's like, oh, he's not really like yep. that. There was always part of you that knew you were getting a little bit of an act. And then when, when Artie came in, and was so raw and real and, again, for me, Italian and, you know, um, grew up like I grew up and his family was like my family and 
putting it out there, his flaws, the way he was. You always rooted and cared for Artie. And that's why, like, now, Artie is loved by the fan base as a whole and rooted for and cheered for. And despite all his failures, everyone's still there to say, we love you, Artie, get better, Artie, all that. Whereas Howard now, nobody cares for him much. Everyone's like, he's a wokester. He blew it. He, he What a joke. Imagine telling the Howard from, that we grew up on what the Howard today's like. He's a Hollywood seller, all yep. that. You know what I mean? So I think that's what you were kind of saying about the personalities on radio and, and being real versus not being real and how that re- resonates, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I think that's where you get the audience. So I know what. Yeah, so I mean that's the radio side of it. All right, let's hit on. I know yeah. we only have a few minutes. So yeah, let's hit on a few I actually minutes. I actually have till two twenty five, but you might have till two twenty. Let's blow through a yeah. couple. Let's blow and through I a couple walk, more. I can walk and talk. If you want yeah. me to walk and talk, I can. But whatever you want. Me to yeah, talk. we'll blow through a few I'll more. I'll let you go. I I got our I got our clock in uh, mind. All right. Um, uh, any update on Directv? Uh, the um Sunday ticket. Is there any update there? Sunday ticket. Yeah, I mean, I look. I think it's ESPN, Amazon. I do think DirecTV comes in maybe with a satellite portion of it, um, you know, for the bars and stuff. But I think ESPN or Amazon are probably the two favorites. Uh, I can't rule everyone else out yet, but nothing, as far as I know, is done uh, yet. But I do think you'll get a you'll get a digital streamer. I would be surprised if you didn't. Now here's the thing: I wonder, like, so ESPN took over the NHL package essentially, and are giving it away on. on yep. ESPN Plus, and I wouldn't dream that ESPN would give away the Sunday ticket. I know it'll be. I have no chance. Right, but do you think it will come at a more reasonable price point than what we're paying on Directv? Do you think that they look at it as an opportunity to say, "Okay, we're going to bring you over, and we're going to get you a subscription cost anyway"? Maybe we put it at ninety nine to two hundred instead of three hundred to four hundred. That one thing that will I go think that's away, possible. and one thing that will go away is yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say because I pay an extra hundred on DirecTV for the ability to have the online portion. And obviously that will go away. I wouldn't have to pay an extra to have online because I would be subscribing for the online anyway, you know, which, cause like right now there's Their a thing called DirecTV Plus. Their goal is to make you a Plus. subscriber for life. Yeah. Like they want you to be like you are with Netflix, right? Like if you, like a lot of us maybe go months without watching Netflix, even though maybe it's a big part of your life or whatever these other streamers, they want it. So it's like, you just like, I don't, like nobody kind of even I don't I mean I guess obviously people do there's churn but but for the most part people don't think oh, should I cancel Netflix like just that's part of your payments for the month it's just a, it's, and it was first and don't even remember what credit card it's on yeah it's like exactly yeah. it's just there it's like yeah. you wouldn't even if you saw it you'd be like okay yeah Netflix um that's why you pay and it's like this premium and it's good business so I they want to get there so again I haven't heard that they'll charge less but they want you to give. They really, they, of course, they're going to spend, if they get it, it's going to be billions probably. And so they're going to want your 100 to $300 for the season pass, or maybe you can buy your team at a cheaper price. That's possible, I think. But they really want you just to go get the bundle or get or pay seven six ninety nine seven ninety nine for ESPN+, and just do that monthly and make that so that you just move on to the streaming service and that becomes a part of just normal, I have electricity, you know, uh, I have, um, ca- you know, I used to have cable now I have right. a subscription. So that's where they want to get it to. Um, and obviously, uh, Sunday ticket is enticing, uh, for them. And I think it's enticing, um, for, you know, look, Amazon's too. I think Amazon, um, also is the one that would be very enticing as a uh, distributor for, uh, for the NFL. Yeah. And, and there's millions of people who like me 
their number one thing they want to watch on TV is their football team play and they're out of market. You know, my number one thing is those 17 Sundays, give or take a Monday or two, where the Saints play. And 85% of the time, it's only available here with the ticket. So it's the most important thing I pay for other than my mortgage, you know. Um, So it, it is that important. Last time we talked, it was just basically, and I, it was, we knew about it and we thought it could be cool, but we didn't know what Manning would be. Now we do. It did kind of turn out to what I thought, and I was able to, to test this, uh, you know, head on. It's great when your team is not playing, but you can't watch it when your team is playing. So the Saints had one of the games, and I didn't mm-hmm. watch it at all the first three quarters. I watched Levy and that booth. But then the fourth, I did put it on the other TV and switch the volumes because I wanted to hear Breeze was on there. So, like, I have a, my yep. I have my eight, my 70-inch TV, and then I have one on the wall next to it. So I put I still kept the Manning cast on the smaller one, but I used that for the volume. And you just – it's just – it's really hard to pull off. You can't watch it when your team is playing, I don't think. But it is awesome, and it is great, and I have no interest really in watching the Monday Night Football games that aren't my team without the Manning cast. That's the one thing about it not being every week. When I roll in Monday at 8.30 and it's, you know, Lions versus Giants and there isn't one, I'm out. You know, there is one, all right, let's watch the Manning. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's where I am. Where, yeah, are, you, where I mean- are you at on it? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, I think when your team's on, you want to watch, you know, the regular broadcast. And you want to. I do find that, look, I'm watching a little bit differently because, you know, we're this is what we do. Um, but I don't feel like I know what's going on in the game fully. Uh, so that you know, if I want to know, like, my Steelers are playing, I probably am on Levy and company uh, because I'd rather watch the game. And look, here's the thing about it. And the, you know, the ratings this week, I think they have like 1.55, maybe 12 plus for. 12 plus million for uh, the 1.55 for the Manning cast, 12 plus for a uh, uh, million for Levy and company. More people are watching that. And it's on ESPN. And that's yeah. where people are Again, going. habits. Uh, and, so, yeah. Yeah, habits. And, and I do think it's interesting it was down this week. Um, well, but, wrestling um, beat it. I saw I Raw beat it this week, the Mannings for the first yeah, time. Yeah, wrestling beat it. Yeah. I, I don't know what that I don't know what that means exactly. Wrestling's popular. Uh, yeah. But the. Bottom line uh, is, yeah, I think your perspective is correct. I think more people would, I think if, you have, if you're interested really in the game and you want to watch the regular broadcast, and I don't think this is the future. I do think it's going to be part of the future, but it's not the future. I don't think most people want to watch the games this way. It's not because it's like I'm old and this is not. I just think people want to be told what's going on. The issue is it has to be well done by the play-by-play people and the analysts to, to do it well, and that's where ESPN has struggled a little bit. All right, last thing. I'll get you out of here on this. So um, maybe in retrospect, we waste a little bit too much time on soccer. And certainly my family history could have been trimmed. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you're a podcaster now, and you're a few episodes in, and you're on the opposite side of the table than I'm on right now when you work with our end. And I don't know him. I've never had him on, I think, only because his work is always behind a paywall. I've just never really read it. I just don't know him. And I always heard him everywhere yep. else and kind of got my fix that way. But I like him. I like his work. I think he's great. I think you guys are good together. But I wonder from you, how's it been? What do you think so far? What do you like? What don't you like? And I'm going to tell you one huge yeah. one huge thing you get to avoid that I don't. But go ahead. All right. Uh, yeah, no, we like it. I mean, like, John's a great guy. He knows his stuff. I mean, that's kind of what we're, you know, trying to do. He, he knows his stuff. Um, you know, it's called the Marshan and Oran 
sports media podcast if people want to find it. Uh, and, you know, we had Jimmy Pitaro on, who's at ESPN. We had Costas, Van Pelt, Shaq. And then there's been now, including this week, three weeks where we didn't have any guests, um, which I'm curious to which one people like better. Uh, but the uh, depends on the bottom guest. line is, uh, yeah, it depends on the guest probably. Yeah. When you had, uh, when you had Costas, good. I like that better. When you had Shaq, I like no guests better. No guess. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I will say this, and you're you're like this too, I believe. Um, at least when I've listened um, to your pod, I don't think you really veer too much. And obviously, from the name, we're sports media. Like we're not doing, you know, some of the other podcasts. We do media, uh, like you know, Trina and Deitch. They do wrestling as well. Like, uh, and that's great. And obviously, those the wrestling does well. Um, but we just we're just doing media. So yeah. um, I veer out a bit. Yeah, so that's but, what we're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's your? Uh, give me your uh, two cents. No, I I would just say like I'm really enjoying it. I I told you privately what I think and, and don't think of it, and I was I appreciated that you cared about what I thought. Um, and I like I said I loved the the Costas interview is my favorite thing so far. Also, I'll admit I went to Syracuse initially. I did have to transfer because of my health, but I mean I went there because Costas went there, and I'm a huge Costas guy and all that. But um, he didn't graduate though. He didn't. Graduate. Yeah, well, me neither. So we're the same. We both went there, but did not. Oh, there you go. Did there not graduate. Go. So we're, yeah. And Buck is like Two that. Media icon. Buck is like that too at Indiana. Did not yeah. graduate. He left early for uh, for the pros right. for the pros as well. So Buck uh, not an Indiana graduate, despite um, going there. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, what do you have a huge advantage of? And again, this is something that always would drive Howard nuts. Is because you guys are. New York Post, and because you guys are very known in the the specifically in what you cover, you're never gonna have to really worry about if you want a guest, you're gonna get the guest. You know, where for me, I gotta grind on that end. You know, and that's the one thing that's dragged me down over the ten years is that grind. You know, and yeah, you guys don't have to do that. And there's other. Po- I'll reach out to people who have a book or whatever. And I'll say, come on. And I know the numbers I do, and I know numbers that other podcasts do that have a name attached to them. And sometimes I'm more than that one. That one, they're going there because they know that. They don't know all that. You know what I mean? Howard complained about that. Yep. Like, he can't get the movie star. The movie star is going to Leno, but Howard's reaching 15 million people. Leno's reaching four. So I think you got that advantage that it doesn't even matter what your numbers are, whether they're more or less than mine. You're going to be able to get people and get them relatively easily and not have to worry about that grind because of the fact that it's the New York Post and Sports Business General and all that behind it. So I think that's a huge advantage. And, and, and I mean that not in like a competitive sense, but in a for your own sanity sense, because that's the one thing that drags me and other podcasters down is the grind of constantly dealing with the emails and the texts and all that and getting the guests and the- A hundred percent. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's part of the reason, yeah, that's part of the reason I didn't really necessarily want to have um, guests all the time because- um, it's a grind. I just, yeah, that's, yeah, and also, like, there's now, there, and then you're talking about three people, and then the production people, so you're talking about four people, and, you know, there's multiple production people, and, uh, you know, you got to get everyone scheduled, and then all of a sudden, this is your whole life, and I will say, it's a lot more work, not just the half an hour to 40 minutes that we do the podcast, there's a lot of yeah. stuff that goes into it, planning it, we do different topics. And think about it, I do all that myself. I have to do all that by myself. Yeah, no, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Like, I'm trying to figure it all out. I started the newsletter on Monday, so I'm trying to figure it all out, um, you know, so I can be a little sane as well. So, uh, but yeah, it's a lot. And I give it, you know, if we last 10 years, man, God bless you for doing that. So yeah. we're going to do our best. But it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's not. It's fun. It's definitely fun. I do like doing it. Um, it's just there's a lot uh, of other stuff I'm responsible for as well. So it's just it's trying to do everything. Well, speaking of that, we both have daughter, daddy, daughter obligations now. So I'm gonna let you go at Andrew Marsh right, at Andrew Marshawn on Twitter. The newsletter on Mondays, the podcast on Wednesdays, the regular columns in the post. Anything else you want to plug or anything? Nah, man, you, right. you nailed it all. As always, appreciate it. Look yep. forward to talking to you again. All right, thanks, buddy. All right, see you, man. I want to thank Andrew Marchand and Greg Wyshynski for being on this episode of the Sportscasters. Don't forget, you can find this episode and every episode on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at sports underscore casters there. Email is the sportscasters at gmail.com. Our brother show is the 24-inch podcast. It's at the number two, the number four-inch podcast on Twitter, and there's a new episode of that released today. So if you're listening in the morning uh, to this episode later this afternoon on Friday the 19th, there will be an episode of the 24-inch podcast uh, that is about the Philadelphia House Show from July of 1986. And then we're also going to have one out Thursday, Thanksgiving night tradition about Survivor Series 88. Uh, that's the 24-inch podcast. And I also want to give a shout out, since we're talking wrestling, to Peter Winston. Greetings from Allentown as the voice cracks and fades and gets closer to death. Uh, the Twitter there is at GF Allentown Pod. As my dog is breaking the door down. Uh, at GF Allentown Pod there, you can listen to his latest episode of the Greetings from Allentown flagship. Or you can listen to the latest episode of Greetings from Allentown Live. Uh, with Keithy. Uh, so those are the two, three shows to plug tonight. All right, one last thing for me tonight. And like I said, I'm going to keep it shorter probably than I planned because this voice is dead uh, or dying. There's not much left of the voice, uh, but I'm going to give it a go. And uh, one last thing I want to talk about is uh, the NFL's got a problem, uh, a big problem that they don't want to deal with. And they don't want you to talk about, and they don't want the coaches to talk about it, or the players to talk about it. And if you do, you're fined. And they don't want fans to talk about it, because if they do, they're making excuses for their team. Right? Because right now, you're going to say, oh, Steve, you made excuses for Italy earlier. Maybe. I did. So what? And now you're going to say, oh, Steve, you're making excuses for the Saints. But I'm just going to say this, okay? Um... It's all fun and games until it happens to your team, right? And it's all fun and games until it happens to your team in in the championship game and you miss out on a chance to go to the Super Bowl because of it. And that happened to me and my team in 2018. And the Saints went to the league and said, let's solve this problem. And they put in a rule and the officials essentially ignored the rule. So they had to take the rule out. It didn't work. It was a failure. Um, 
And it's something that is just getting to a point that it's so bad that I think we're going to enter an era where replay is going to keep getting expanded because the officials are so bad. And Sean Payton said it today uh, on the Dan Patrick show that why aren't these guys full time? Why is the job of an NFL official not full time? I could find something for them to do every day. Watch tape, get better, exercise, be on the field, be engrossed in football, make football the only thing uh, on their plate, not being a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or whatever else these guys do. Okay, everyone else involved in the NFL is full-time, but not the guys who are affecting the games every week. And I guarantee anyone listening can think of a play that happened this year that cost your team a chance to win one of their games. Right, and you just hope, oh, it's going to even out. Every team is dealing with it. The officials are bad in every game. And I'm not saying the officials have like a vendetta against the Saints. The league does, but I don't think the officials do. Okay, I just think they're horrible. All right, I think they're too old. I think they're too slow. I think their rules are too complicated. Okay, I don't think that they're, like I said, committed enough to football. They have their real jobs, their real lives. And then they do this on the weekend. And there's too much at stake. Why are you mad about it this time, Steve? Well, let me tell you what happened in the last Saints game. A game that they could have won if they didn't make some mistakes on their own. So believe me, I am just as angry with Brian Johnson, who missed two extra points in the game. Right? If he doesn't miss those two extra points, we at least go to overtime, if not win the game outright. So of course I want him fired. I want him cut. I don't want to ever see him again. I'm not letting him off the hook. And they didn't play that great in the first half, but they played amazing in the second half. And one of the reasons they lost this game, a big reason they lost this game, is because late in the first half, the Titans had the ball in the red zone and the Saints intercepted a pass by Tannehill in the end zone. That interception was overturned by a roughing the passer call, which the referee announced was because of a blow to the head on the quarterback. Not because it was late, not because he landed on him, not because it was a high-low, not because he was at his knees. It was because specifically thrown and called because he hit the quarterback in the head. And then you watch the replay, and he did not hit the quarterback in the head. Okay, he didn't. To where the ref was standing, maybe it looked like he hit him in the head, and there was some discussion about the mechanics of it are you throw the flag, assuming that, if you think you hit him in the head and then you hope that the guy on the other side sees it and can clarify it and you pick it up, none of that happened. They took a turnover off the board, gave the a first and goal to the Titans who then scored a touchdown, the only touchdown in the first half. So instead of the Saints stopping that drive with zero, it was seven. And when you're playing on the road against the best team in the AFC and you don't have Alvin Kamara and you don't have Michael Thomas and you don't have Ryan Ramchek and you don't have Teron Armstead and you don't have Jameis Winston, okay, it's difficult to overcome that. And on top of that, the extra points and all the other mistakes the Saints made to shoot themselves in the foot. Okay, but right now I'm talking about the problem the NFL has with officials. It's killing their league, and I know nothing can kill the NFL. It's a juggernaut. 
and you know the money's insane and on and on and on but remember 100 years ago the three biggest sports in this country were baseball uh horseback ride or horse racing and boxing okay sometimes nothing lasts forever even cold november rain if anything can take down this league it's integrity issues with the officiating and as gambling grows and the temptations that are associated with gambling, who knows what can happen in the future. But I'm going to tell you right now that what is happening now is unacceptable. It's unacceptable that a team like the Saints, missing all those players, can have a second half like they did, but not win the game because they had seven points they couldn't overcome that were gifted to the Titans by incompetent officiating who called the roughing the passer call on a blow to the head when the quarterback didn't get hit in the head. And if you think I'm overreacting, I'll just say this. Wait till it's your team. Wait till it's your team and then tell me about my overreaction, okay? Wait till it's your team. And I hope, I hope and pray for you that you don't have to go through what I went through in 2018. I pray that when they come for you, it's not a game-changing call that takes an NFC Championship trophy out of your facility and puts it somewhere else. I hope that doesn't happen to you. Because that's really shitty. Really shitty. The NFL needs to come up with a solution. I say hire college players. College football players. Hire them from the Ivy League. From Vanderbilt. From Stanford. Smart, athletic kids. Football guys who just don't quite make the league. Make them full-time employees. Train them. Integrate them into the league. Better, younger, smarter, faster officials. Fix it. 